We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, on the subject of quarterbacks, do you want to hit some rapid fire? Is it time for rapid? We've been talking for 45 minutes about this, and I think we could keep going if we had to yeah. without much of a problem. Because this is a this is a very interesting topic, Sean. And you get people like Scott that are very <laughs> anti what Notre Dame is doing recruiting, even though the numbers are there and says otherwise. They pinpoint on one specific area or one specific recruit and then nothing else matters you know what i mean like the offensive class that they're bringing in in 24 could average 45 points a game but it doesn't matter because they brought in a backup safety like it's the whole class man it's not just one kid you got to focus on scott you finished strong just did finish strong and i will give him credit he's gonna get a gonna get a clap for me yep well done well done. At the end. Fill in the blank. CJ Carr's Elite 11 weekend. Makes you feel blank. <sighs> eh. Makes me feel eh. I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in the Elite 11. I just don't. I, you know. Hold, last, it. Hold it. What? <laughs> You're the guy who was asking me last week if CJ Carr – Wins the Elite Eleven. Uh oh. Remember, you remember that that what old did I say? conversation. I don't remember. I wish that I had it sitting here right now. You were the guy, like you know, because we were talking about <laughs> is he going to be the starter next year? Do you start? You know, like oh, what, if what he wins it, then do? he's got a chance to be whatever. If, is that what I said? If, if he if he wins it, you know, basically how confident in him being the starting, you know, that 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 he could be the starting quarterback next season. But you don't put any stock in the Elite Eleven well, now. Here's the thing. I should have never never said that, first of okay. all. But if okay. I did, I'll own it. I'll own it. I, I don't remember saying it, but I believe you. I don't remember what I had for breakfast, so there's that. Uh, but the, the Elite 11, is a it's a cool event, and I get the prestige of being invited to it and the prestige of winning the regional and going on to the national version and all of that. At the end of the day, and I do remember saying something along these lines at one point or another, the end of the day, it's guys in shorts and t-shirts throwing the ball around with no offensive line or defensive line. That part for me doesn't tell the whole tale. Now, you're also competing against arguably the best of the best. 
And so how you fare in the same things that they're doing is, is again, it is a measurable. It is something that you can take into account, right? He, I believe he ended up in the top half, third, fourth, fifth, something along yeah, those lines. Like depending on whose evaluation you look at, he's like three, four, five-ish, you know, okay. right around there. Pretty much what I anticipated because he doesn't have the hype of some of these other guys that are going into it, and I know that plays a role of it, in it. Okay, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, again, it's immeasurable. It's not the be-all, end-all. So, yes. it's cool. And USMA, Drew Pine looked awesome at the Elite 11. Yep. So, if that's, there you go. <laughs> that's going to tell you anything. I just, I think the biggest takeaway, you know, again, we weren't there, so we didn't get to, you know, see them in action. But again, like when you look at all these different evaluators were there, the things that stood out about Carr – the mechanics. They really liked his mechanics. He didn't okay. wasn't necessarily spectacular day one. They felt like, you know, he redeemed himself day two. Really consistent with his throws, the mechanics huh, that he has. You know, yeah. And, you know, like they weren't talking about, you know, like a bomber arm or anything. But at the same time, a guy who can stretch it downfield a little bit. All the things you want to hear. And yeah. when, you're, when you're looking at, as you were saying, comparing him against his peers, guys in the same class. You know, how much it matters, probably not much. But I think the biggest takeaway is he he wasn't a guy who, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, he went to the Elite 11 and he's sitting at the bottom, you know, of, right. of any of these evaluations. He's, he's in the, you know, like the upper fourth of this thing, upper third, upper fourth. And it sounded like it was just, you know, really solid, but – just like you were talking about, what's ultimately going to matter is how yeah. he's able to perform when things are live, when he gets here. But I think and, it's still yeah. something that we can feel good about with him. He went to, you know, it's like the the Top Gun camp of, you know, college football quarterbacks. Right, the best right. of the best were there, and he performed, you know, right up there with the top of them. He didn't go below the hard deck, so that's, right. that's always a bonus. That's right. <laughs> Mr. 2.0. Also, true or false, since Dane Christ. So I think, are we talking about the generational argument? Like, is that, you know, what, what that goes mm. back to since or, Dane Christ? Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. you know, again, you can talk about what their ratings are coming out of high school, but you still have to, you know, you have to base it on how they perform. He, Dane, Dane was a solid college quarterback, but obviously did not perform like an elite college quarterback once right. he got here. Right. And he, then he went to your alma mater and didn't do much better. So, right. Exactly. And that's where you would have expected him. Like if it was going to happen, sure. You know, he would have had a better chance. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Marcus Freeman says Irish running back Jadarian Price is back to 100%. It is awesome. I like. I took a sigh of relief when I read that because that's one of the biggest question marks going into this year with with Logan Diggs deciding that it was finally time for him to go back home, which is fine. I respect that. What was the depth chart going to look like? And Notre Dame at first wasn't 100% sure. That's why they went out and got the kid from Penn State to, to mm-hmm. bolster up the depth chart. If he is healthy, based on what we know about a year ago, and what he was doing, I mean, he was slated to be the starter over Estime and Diggs, right? I mean, that was the projection. That's what was happening. Right. And so if he can come back to that, if that's what Marcus Freeman means by 100%, that he's back to the way he was, that running back room just got a heck of a lot better. A heck of a lot better. It's pretty exciting is what it is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, because of what you just said, like, he was... He was dead. Like, I still think Audric Estime would have been part of it just because of, you know, the power and just the specific skill set that he has. I mean, Logan Diggs likely would have been as well. But I think the question would have been like how those reps were split probably even more than Estime's last year. And now you've got, you know, the the question is still going to be, you know, like you can say he's 100 percent. Does he have that true breakaway type speed still coming back from the Achilles. You know, that's, again, right. something that we won't see until right. we get to see him put the foot on the pedal. But we did get to start, you know, see him start running a little bit at the end of spring practice, and you didn't see any kind of limp out there at all. You know, again, was it 100%? No, but we saw him kind of, you know, running the end zone and, and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to Man. see this because this this is a guy who can be total a total game changer type guy in that backfield and again when you combine them with everything else that they're going to have offensively i just think it's it's really exciting to think yeah, about what is. this offense can be this year no no doubt I, when i read that i was like oh i don't know who heard him say that but that's exciting i was very that's excited about that yeah so nicole arbach wrote a piece in the athletic that says the college football playoff needs to reward the teams that play tougher non-conference schedules. I think most people, you know, probably pretty, you know, much agree with that. But she goes on to say the leagues that play nine game conference schedules should be rewarded over the conferences that opt to stay at eight games. This is an obvious, you know, directed at the SEC staying, staying with eight games. Here are two conference schedules of two, what I would call, elite teams. One plays an eight-game schedule, one plays a nine-game schedule. Here's Alabama's eight-game SEC slate 
for 2024. At home, Georgia, Auburn, Missouri, South Carolina. On the road, LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. That's an eight-team schedule right there, eight-game schedule. Here's Ohio State's nine-game schedule for the same season, 2024. At home, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, Michigan, Rutgers. On the road, Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, UCLA. <laughs> so, Vince, whose schedule would you rather have, the eight-game Alabama or the nine-game Ohio State conference slate? Well, that's, I mean, that's a no-brainer. I would take the Big Ten schedule over the SEC schedule all day long and twice on Sunday. I mean, there's no way I would take the SEC schedule over a Big Ten. I mean, I mean regardless of whether it's eight or nine, there's just there's just no way. And I so that part of the argument that she makes, I do not agree with because not all conferences are created equal. So I don't agree with the eight versus the nine game schedule and all that stuff. And, you know, people should be punished or rewarded or whatever. I don't agree with that because I'll I just don't. Okay, playing Rutgers or whatever that doesn't increase your strength of schedule. Now, the other part of what she says I think actually holds a lot of weight. The non-conference schedule should somehow be rated and help you if you're willing to play better out-of-conference schedule. The SEC generally plays terrible out-of-conference games. Two of them are usually one double A, if I'm not mistaken. They're terrible. Right. And, and that's that's what, you know, basically the half the SEC in early November has their bye weeks by playing – you know, FCS opponents, you know, whoever they happen to be, take your pick of, you know, whatever, you know, chucker that they're going to roll into town that week. And I think that's what most people have the issue with. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, sitting, you know, and again, like Notre Dame is not in a conference. They've always put together their own schedule. It's, it's hard to sit here and take shots at it now though, because they're putting Tennessee state on the schedule this year that's true it weakens the argument and i i'm not even approaching it from a not from a notre dame standpoint because notre dame's not in a conference and you know if you if you but you can see why you can see why sec coaches voted the way they did absolutely eight teams for next year when you look at at that you know and like jesse and i were like you know we went through jesse like the texas and oklahoma's get you know one of them's going to play alabama in year one the other's going to play Georgia in year one. Then they'll probably, you know, like flip-flop the next year. They'll play a home-and-home, home, and then they'll, you know, get the other one. You know, it's it really is, especially when you're adding Texas and Oklahoma to this thing, it it ups the degree of difficulty, you know, because, again, we were just talking about blue-chip ratio to start yeah. things off. Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, Auburn, they're all sitting there. I think it was like 13 or, or no, 11 of the top 15 were a combined Big Ten, you know, or SEC, sure. most of them coming from the SEC. You know, so it's it's like as a coach in the SEC, why would you want to play a nine-game schedule? So let me ask you this, Sean. Let's put a Notre Dame spin on it, okay? okay. Notre Dame basically plays nine conference games a year. Okay, and here's what I determine as a conference game. And I, yeah, the, I see where you're going. It's it's the ACC schedule, obviously, right? right? Five plus Navy, USC, and Stanford. Right. I mean, those are the teams they play 
all every year, right? The ACC plus those teams, right? So they have three non-conference games. So Notre Dame's three non-conference games this year, I'm using air quotes, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, and Ohio State. Right. If Notre Dame was a Big Ten team, for example, and those were your three, I'm just using, I know Ohio State's in the Big Ten, I get that. I'm just saying, if Notre Dame was in a conference, and those are your three non-conference games, how would you rate that non-conference schedule? Like in comparison to what SEC? Yeah, compare in comparison to like a Big Ten team or an SEC team or or whatever. Like, how would you how would you say Notre Dame is going about their non conference schedule this year, having Tennessee State, Ohio State, and uh, Central Michigan as their non conference? I mean, it's it's better than you know most of these schools that we're talking about. Now LSU is going to play. Was it USC or is it UCLA? That they're going to be UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. Uh, You know, so like Notre Dame, their scheduling philosophy, one, the way they have to do it, you know, again, this goes back to the fact that they're not in a conference. So they're always going to try to go out and add an Ohio State, a Texas AM next year, a Wisconsin a couple of years ago, Alabama in a few years. you know, that's that's part of their scheduling philosophy to make up for the fact that they're not playing in a conference championship game. They have to at least schedule up, you know, in one of those games. And then you take your Central Michigan and, and whoever, you know, UNLV last year, Tennessee State this year. So, you know, that's that's the reason for it. You know, by and large, you know, with the exception of some of these schools that Notre Dame is playing, most of them, you know, Notre Dame definitely takes a higher degree of difficulty by going out and scheduling those kind of premier opponents in addition to a couple of cream puffs to come along with them. I would have had a much stronger argument had Tennessee state not ended up on the schedule. Obviously, you know, that game is it's, that one's hard to defend for obvious reasons. Normally in every other year, besides this year coming up, they've played obviously three, either power five or group of five teams in their quote unquote non-conference schedule. Right. Right. And well, that and was- just, just to clarify again, John is saying Notre Dame is in a conference and Vince, I'm aware. Vince said that he's saying that, that what Notre Dame plays essentially it's equivalent of a conference schedule because they play the ACC schools every year. They play USC every year. They play Navy every year. They play Stanford every right. year. So that's their base. It's schedule. not a conference. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, kind of their equivalent of a conference schedule because they know going into every season that they're going to play those games. Correct. They, when when Jack Swarbrick or soon-to-be Pete Bavacqua goes out to make the schedule for Notre Dame, he's only having to schedule three games a year right. because nine games are already set in stone. You've got right. the ACC schedule plus the three teams that you mentioned, USC, Stanford, and, uh, and Navy. You only have to go out and find three games. It's the same thing that a conference – you know, a, a team in a conference has to do. They have right. to just go out and schedule a non-conference schedule, three games usually, or four if you're in the Big Ten. That's all they got to do. Normally, before Tennessee State came along, Notre Dame had an argument that they had the best non-conference schedule out there, or one of them, year in and year out. They can still make the argument that it's not a cream puff out of conference schedule, and they could, you know, they should get credit for doing that, in my opinion. Right. Chi-Town was talking about Ole Miss's schedule. This says they play Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, and Texas A&M. 
this season. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, that's tough. Maybe There's they no should move to the Big Twelve. <laughs> Big Twelve's looking for new teams. <laughs> Seriously, but that's their. I mean, that's their conference schedule, right? Yeah. So I mean, you're in the SEC, man. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Not much you can do about that. Right. Fill in the blank. It's blank that former Cardinals infielder and 2011 World Series hero David Freeze declined an invitation to join the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame after fans voted him in. There has to be a reason why, and I don't know what it is. He wrote this long letter, and it really doesn't say Doesn't say. Why. Yeah. Man, he must have had a bad divorce coming out of the organization or something. It's just why I would mean, you? The, the gist seems to be like he doesn't feel like he deserves to be there for some reason. Really, which I don't get. Like you helped the team win a World Series. Right. The team was down to its final strike, and if not for you, the Texas Rangers would have won the World Series instead of the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, what? It's a great honor to be voted into the Hall of Fame of the team that you played for. I don't understand why you would shirk that honor that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me i don't know if like he's in counseling and they counseled him not to do it like I, it doesn't make any sense to me why he wouldn't do that it's it's baffling to me that's what i'm using to fill in the blank it's baffling that he would refuse that honor well we lost sean for a moment i don't know if it was me or if it was him i don't know can you guys let me know if you can hear me hopefully you can uh, but I could not hear Sean, and I don't know if anybody else could either. So he I, looks like he's going to do the uh, get out and get back in situation. And uh, we will continue with rapid fire. But uh, I don't know why. I mean, I guess uh, I, I just don't understand. Mr. 2.0 says uh, I'm a Cardinal fan, and for a regional Hall of Fame, he definitely deserves it. And John says he's being disrespectful to the fans. I Definitely don't disagree with that. Fans voted you in. You should respect that and, and take it for what it's worth and, and take it and go. Uh, I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. I, I don't know. DJ Armageddon, you and I are about on the same wavelength here. He says he obviously had a falling out with the organization at some point. That's what I felt like, too. Like, maybe he didn't have a good leaving situation or, or whatever. Felt like there must have been a falling out. I don't know. But uh, it just seems odd to me that he would do that. I don't know. It just can you hear me odd. okay? I can hear you perfectly. All right. These newfangled headphones my oh, son bought man. me appear to be the culprit of this oh. whole thing. So, yeah, there's been nothing reported about a falling out with the organization. It doesn't seem to be that. It's like he feels like apparently he doesn't deserve to be there for some reason. You know, he grew up in St. Louis. He was a hometown boy. Help the hometown team. Win. Yeah. It is just very odd, I think, to see a guy, you know, have the kind of, you know, it was not a Hall of Fame, you know, it was not a major league baseball Hall of Fame career, but I think he's definitely worthy of being but he's in important the St. To that, Louis Cardinals yeah. Hall of Fame. He's, he's important to that organization, you yeah. know, like they don't win a World Series without him, period. Yeah. Exactly. You know? It's very odd. Yeah. Very odd. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So umpires at the College World Series have been issuing unsportsmanlike, war, uh, rather sportsmanship warnings to players. One happened last night when a Florida batter was hit by a pitch. He glared at the pitcher who hit him. Do you buy or sell sportsmanship warnings? It's ridiculous. I don't like it. I realize this is collegiate athletics. It's supposed to be learning and all. Well, okay, fine. I wouldn't support it at the high school level, and I wouldn't support it at the college level. I'm sorry. If you're going to be disrespectful and you do something that's disrespectful to the game, and you get thrown out of the game, and that's how it works in baseball. I, this whole, it, it feels like a slap on the wrist. Oh, don't do that now. Don't you glare at the pitcher. That's not okay. Like that. Come on, man. Like, no, I don't like it. I'm sorry. It it feels very YMCA ish to me. See, like, do you get like these? In, do you get these in college basketball? Right. No. Thank no. You. you. Do you get these in football? No. But for some reason, in baseball, we need this. And, you know, you know, again, I was watching the game when this happened. The, you know, the guy got hit by a pitch. It was the second sportsmanship warning they had issued. And, the, the, you know, there was one earlier where, you know, like a pitcher, you know, got excited because he, you know, struck somebody out or got okay. it out. And so he said some stuff and they gave him a warning. Like, what are we doing here? We're legislating, right. you know, we're, we're, we're legislating rules to take a motion out yes. of these games. I don't Correct. get it. This just, you know, it seems very high school or little league to me to be doing this. Even more little league than high school, right? Because these I mean, are adult. Yeah. Like these are adult men who are playing these games. They're all right. in their, you know, like late teens, early twenties. Everyone wants to hold them to different standards when they do, you know, different stuff off the field. And we don't want them to get excited because they got a big out or, you know, these are the biggest games of their careers. I, I just, right. I think it's idiotic to me. I here here's I have no problem with the home plate umpire or an umpire or whatever, like warning a bench if they're chirping too much in a negative way. That's part of the game. You you can warn them for that, and then you throw them out if they continue to do it or whatever. There are warnings already built into baseball. You can warn them for stuff if there's too many hit by pitches. You warn the pitcher, you warn the bench. You know, that kind of a thing. That's a, that's a thing. And I'm okay with that. But the whole sportsman, like calling it a sportsmanship warning. Like, are they not supposed to celebrate when they hit a home run in the college freaking world series? Well, there's another thing. This guy, there was a game over the weekend, you know, again, at the college world series guy hits a home run. It wasn't out of the park yet. It was like a towering shot to right field. And he kind of stood there for a couple of seconds Yeah, and, you know, was, was you know watching, to watching see it. where it was going to go? I know exactly did you, what's what you're did you talking see about. It? And did you see the umpire yeah, told goes, him run. run? Yeah, yeah. What's Which, it your business if he's running? 
I, you know what? I will say I don't but mind. You're the umpire. There's no rule. There's no I know. rule against the guy standing and admiring whatever he does. At I the agree. Play. If the coach wants to tell him to run, that's one thing. The umpire I, needs to sit there, shut up, call balls and strikes and outs, I, and that is it. That is I don't, it. I honestly didn't have a problem with somebody. Hey, get going. Like I don't, but but don't stop the game and give him a warning. Like I don't have a problem with him being like, you know what? Get uh, get the stink out of here. Get out of here. Go do your thing. Start You're running. Get like, us a sportsmanship warning. Yeah, I know, right? My bad. Uh, but I don't. I didn't see that as much of a deal. But like, don't stop the game and give him a sportsmanship warning for watching his baseball fly through the air. Like I, that that would be right. over the line for me. But I don't have a problem with okay, just just get go because in my opinion, the umpire is trying to prevent an issue down the road of retaliation because if I'm the pitcher and I see him doing that, I'm going to beat him next time he comes up because that's how baseball works. Yeah. But then you're going to get a sportsmanship warning and then you're going to get <laughs> right. Out. right. See, and that's once you get one of these warnings, then the next time something happens, that's, you know, like ejection basically. Right. So, right. I don't, I just, I, I think it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit too far. Let him, right. you know, as I've always said before, coach your own team. And as yeah, long right. as you're not, as long as you're not directing whatever at somebody on the other team, it's all fair game. You know, as long as I'm not standing there, you know, yelling or, you know, whatever, you know, if I'm getting sure. excited, if I'm not, you know, because sometimes it turns into, you know, like barking at the other dugout sure. and all that kind of stuff. I agree now, with what you're saying. You know, like if yeah. you're if you're if you're directing stuff. You know, like at the, you know from your dugout at the other team, and it's and it's crossing lines. I've got no problem with that. And honestly, if I was the catcher in that particular instance where the kid was admiring his home run, I'd have told him to run, like get moving. You know, I that's what I would have done personally. I'd be like, get moving. You know, if you don't want to wear the next one, be on your way, young man. You know, right? But. If I'm on the other, yeah. If I'm the catcher on the other team, that's <laughs> right. one thing. But right. if I'm the umpire, I know. I what is it, it my business? What right. is it your business if if the guy is standing and, and admiring his shot? If you're He's the trying umpire. to be a mediator. He's trying to prevent further issues. Trying to be crotchy old man is what he's trying to be. <laughs> Got enough of them on this show. Like, uh, I don't, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <you> know. <laughs> I'm not talking about listeners. Uh, yeah, I know you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> just so, just so the listeners know. <laughs> oh yeah, Shy Town said must have played in a different area because in the little league, if someone drilled your guy, then he was gonna get in on the next at bat. Yeah, it's like that is that is way legislated out now. You know, like when, yeah, when you're talking really about. Is. You know, youth and, and high school sports, man. You start beaning guys, you're 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 gonna get run really quick. I never so. never instructed a player to hit another guy. I never had to. Yeah. Not me either. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. No. I mean, I just if, <laughs> if it was gonna happen, it happened, um, and I didn't have to say do or do not. You know what I mean? So. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we had, you know, guys that we felt on our team were being thrown at, you know, a couple times. Oh, and, sure. And we still didn't, you know, retaliate right in that way. Unfortunately, they don't let you hit the opposing manager, which there were times yeah, where I And that's that. that's what it comes <laughs> down to. Yeah. yeah. 
the guy who took over for you wouldn't Uh-oh. mind doing that a couple times. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap things up tonight. Vince enjoyed it as always. We got a little, we got a little spirit. You know, we had a little Scott energy there at the end. So that's always good. Yeah. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, review. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of Ivy Nation Sports. I think I, you know, I got my blood flowing here. At the end. <gasps> Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. you.